Do you have questions about your retirement? Most of us do, right? And did you know that estate planning is not just for the ultra wealthy? It's for all of us. Steve Hoyle, host of Retire Texas Style, can help you create an income plan for life as well as protect your family and your assets. Hear more about Steve, his team, and his strategies Sunday afternoons at 3 and Tuesday evenings at 6, right here on News Radio KLBJ. They're live, local, and talking about the stories that matter to you. Share your opinions with Mark and Melinda at 512-836-0590. Now, here are Mark and Melinda. One of the stories we're discussing with you is a KXAN report on the wrap-up of Phase 1 of a test here in Austin. What will people do with $1,000 a month every month for 12 months, no strings attached? This happened here in Austin. The Austin City Council approved this, and uh, the nonprofit group Up Together that was overseeing this program has released a summary report. It's very vague. It really is lacking in important detail. But we're discussing it with you right now at 512-836-0590. The city council is already diving into another round of this. They're going to select another group, give them $1,000 a month from the taxpayers, and let them spend it as they see fit. Uh, Catherine is with us at 404. Hello, Catherine. Welcome. How are you? Hi. Great. How are you? Fine. Catherine, welcome. Thanks. Yes, what are your thoughts, Catherine? Okay. Okay, sorry, I'm driving. Uh, okay, two quick points. One, my mother lives right outside of Charlotte. She lives on $24,000 a year. Her children do great, but she will not take our money. But she doesn't have cable, but she eats well. She has a beautiful apartment and everything else on 24000 a year. Now, my second point is, okay, it's pretty much a fact that most people who win the lottery, depending on what they win, within five to ten years, they're right back where they started. Unless these people who are getting the money change their picture, the way they see themselves, it won't matter. You can give them a thousand, fifteen hundred, ten thousand a month. They'll go right back to where they were unless they change their perception of themselves. Yeah, that was my biggest complaint or concern. Well, besides doing this program, but it didn't come with required financial guidance in any way instead of them saying here's a thousand dollars you spend it how you want to spend it I would have much rather them say we'll give you a thousand dollars we're going to sit down we're going to look at your budget we're going to see where cuts can be made and then we're going to see how to best apply this money that is beneficial for you to get on your feet because you're right if you don't change spending habits you don't change your position Nothing. Yeah, nothing will change. I just found out Houston's going to do this, and they're going to do $500 a month. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. That's why I called in here, because we just found out last week that Houston's going to start this in certain zip codes. I'm sorry, area codes. And it's not going to matter. They'll just just blow it. They'll they'll spend it on, you know, maybe cable that they don't have or spy steaks or whatever that they don't have. And they're not going to do it. They're not going to do anything they won't invest anything they'll just they'll just blow it and they'll be right back where they were a couple of weeks ago i think it was a texas legislator that filed um a motion in court to have it or actually i think it was with the attorney general to see if these programs are actually legal for the cities uh, austin and houston to give away taxpayer money to just a select 
group of individuals. So that will be something to keep our eyes on to see how that turns out. Thank you, Catherine. You have a good one. I think it was State Senator Paul Betancourt in the Houston area. It was. Uh, Tony is with us from East Austin, 406. Tony, good afternoon. How are you, sir? Hey, doing great. I appreciate y'all for taking my call. I was a drill instructor in the United States Army in Fortville, Oklahoma. Yes. And one thing I see that the U.S. military is doing is what I don't see other powerful nations doing, which is lowering their standards. I understand you want to lower your standards. It doesn't matter what branch it is. You want to lower your standards. And that might help in some cities where you have a high unemployment rate and people are trying to look for a way out. You'll get your numbers up. But in the end, it's going to catch up with you because you're accepting anybody right now and you're not training them for a comeback. Back in the 80s, when there was a Cold War, when it was always the United States against the Soviet Union, we prepared for a comeback. Today in the military, when they have stress cards, when you're going through training, when you get stressed out, you can raise your card and take a break. You're not preparing for, for a comeback. So I understand that today it's a lot of more high tech, but when it comes down to putting boots on the ground, I think a lot of those guys are going to stress out and give up. And I don't, just don't see the military uh, as strong as they was back in the days when it comes to comeback. And trying to lower your standard is going to catch up with you in the end. I just don't, just, I don't agree with that. Yeah, and Tony is talking about uh, the U.S. Navy's announcement that they're going to start allowing people to enlist even if they do not have a high school diploma or a GED as long as they reach a certain score on the entrance test. And they believe that will help with their recruiting challenges in the U.S. Navy. But, Tony, you think in the long run this will not work out well for us? I don't think it will because I think you often – that's not the incentive. I think you should offer more money or more – more like back in the uh, Cold War, you offer a bonus for those who went to come back or uh, re-enlistment. You offer – promotion came quick for those who was in comeback. Uh, it was so much – but the problem is when you get out to military and come back – you can't find a job in that particular area. You you can't find a job shooting a tank, jumping out a plane, et cetera. <laughs> so I just think they, 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 they're going in the wrong direction, and, and it's going to catch up with you. We need to think about what other countries are doing, and, and better than what they're doing, because you don't see uh, China lowering their standard, uh, and that's why they're so beefed up. And we need to uh, get back to where we was back in the 80s when the Reagan was uh, the president, et cetera. We need that, that strong military we had back then. I just don't see we have it now. Tony, let me ask you about what happened in Jordan over the weekend. The drone attack killed three U.S. Army members and injured 40 others. Uh, the Biden White House is saying that they believe uh, this was one of Iran's groups that did this. What do you think we should do next? Well, in my opinion, uh, I think that they got to be something like In order to show the Middle East, anybody that you're a serious nation, I think you have to respond and not just respond verbally, not just respond uh financial or economic, you got to respond militarily and send a message. And I think if you send that message military, other nations that see that America is back where they used to be. And unless you're not willing to respond military, everything else is just winning the dressing. All right. Tony, thank you. Have a good day, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you. 512-836-0590. Everything else is just window dressing if you don't hit them hard with the military. You have to have an extremely hard response. And I know that there is a lot of out there. We don't want to get into the war. All they want to do is get into war. We don't have to have troops over there as far as, you know, where they say boots on the ground. You don't have to have them there. We do have technology now. We were able to do that when Trump was in office. He responded. He didn't send troops there. He responded with a drone attack. And you have to do that. Not these little 
oh well we they have a shed over here the hooties have a shed we're gonna we're gonna knock that out maybe it'll dampen you know put a dent in some of their equipment that they're using you need to I, I hate to say forget about the Houthis, but at this time you do, and you need to go to the head of the snake and cut it off, which, which is, is Iran. in Iran. Yes. All right. You can weigh in with your thoughts, 512-836-0590. This is Nathan in Leander at 411. Mark and Melinda, good afternoon, Nathan. How are you? Oh, not too bad, man. How are you guys doing? We're great. Thank you. Welcome. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to comment on the thousand dollars a month the city of Austin to give it out. Maybe we could talk Leander into it and find seven six two by thirty nine ammo. <laughs> you need about a thousand dollars a month to buy that, don't you? <laughs> hey, that's about a thousand rounds a month. I mean, figure once you know, once we get down to it, I'll have enough. <laughs> what do you think of the overall idea of this kind of a program, Nathan? Uh, I think it's idiotic. Like the one woman said, you can you can give them ten thousand a month unless they change their live style, you know, their standard of living. It's it's gonna stay the same. You know, it's humans, man. We'll accept any standard of living. Well, you got them all living in boxes all over the world. Yeah, it, it was interesting. One of the uh, very vague things they wrote in this report, Nathan, is a majority of the people who got the free cash said they were still not able to stop worrying even though they were getting $1,000 a month to do as they pleased with that. They just couldn't well, stop I'd, worrying. I'd be interested in knowing what they spent that 1000 a month on. Yeah, yeah, and that was part of it. There were there were no, you have to spend it on housing or you have to spend it on food. Uh, but those yeah, are the two big things that the city always says, well, this is why we have to help out. We have a housing and food insecurity problem going on, yet... They gave them $1,000 with no requirements on how they spent it. Well, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if you drive around Austin and see some homeless guy with some coat shoes and a you know, Gucci jacket. And, you know, it's, it's standard living. It's changed. Thank you, sir. You have a good one, Nathan. 512-836-0590. Come on in and join the discussion. It's Mark and Melinda on KLBJ. And now back to the Mark and Melinda Show. Join the conversation at 512-836-0590. 416, so good to have you with us. Tiger's here producing. And this is Brett in Leander. Good afternoon, Brett. How are you? Hey, guys. I'm pretty good. Hey, um, the question that I have is, um, so you actually give, the city of Boston is actually giving $1,000 a month to people for this program. However, during the news, I heard you them actually talk about that they they've actually given out requested bond money, and now they're actually out of bond money, and they can't actually request for more bond money until 2026. However, when they actually reach out to the people saying, "Hey, this is what we're actually requesting this bond money for," shouldn't they actually be using it for those programs instead of actually using it for other programs like maybe this thousand dollar giveaway out to everybody? Yeah, it's uh, that is the state law. If they put it on the ballot and say we need two hundred million dollars for roads, they're legally required to spend it on roads, and it better be the projects they listed on the ballot. That's what the law says. I hear what you're saying, but I actually work for a school district, and I see programs that are actually implemented way, way, way before the actual program is actually online or what they've actually requested money for and holy cow it's it's crazy because last uh i want to say 
before school got out last year, they implemented all these alarm type of systems within the school systems, and they haven't actually requested that, that for that money and that bond until later on, and it was already actually put into the actual school system. So they, they pulled the money from somewhere else early and then got reimbursed via the bond money? Is that what you're saying? I'm not in the know, but that's what I actually saw. Okay. Interesting. We'll check into that. Brett, thank you. You have a good one, sir. 512-836-0590. You can call, you can text to join the conversation. Melinda, you saw an item a few minutes ago about the Biden White House notifying Congress today that we have U.S. military forces now in Yemen? Yeah, it's actually kind of a bit confusing. I read one article, one that said, yeah, the White House informed Congress today, we indeed have troops in Yemen, on the ground in Yemen. Uh, Then I read another article that said that the Congress was informed in a report by the White House in December. However, when reporters asked the Pentagon, if this was true, Pentagon spokespeople refused to answer the question saying, and then they kept asking and they said, no, we don't. So at this time, I'm not really sure. And it doesn't sound like the Biden administration or the Pentagon knows for sure either, Mm. whether or not we actually have troops on the ground in Yemen. But part of the story does say they have notified Congress. They had notified Congress. That we do have people, military forces in Yemen. Yes. And that would be the first. Uh, I don't recall us ever making that public before, that we have forces in Yemen. No, I, I don't, th- don't think that that's been publicly put out. Uh, in fact, I think the only thing that they've said was they increased troops on the different ships that we have out there, but not increasing ground troops anywhere. Mm-hmm. So this would be the first. And then I I don't know, is that how it usually goes? We, we move them and then we tell Congress that they're there and then we tell Congress what our plans are for why they're there? Uh, perhaps in a classified briefing they would, and that's supposed to remain secret. They might say, for example, do a select group who have been cleared, they're in Yemen selecting targets for these strikes that we've been carrying out. That's why they're there. They're special operations forces, and uh, they're selecting the targets. Well, here's the thing. Why is this information coming out now? I would think now more than ever. There should be secrecy on that if we actually have troops in Yemen that are trying to figure out and identify uh, targets to strike for their own safety. So why are these reports coming out now? Uh, Perhaps it's someone on Biden's team who says we need to let the public know that he's strong on national security, that he is decisive, he is aggressive, and uh, they're putting the word out that we have forces in Yemen He's taking it to the Houthis. He's not sitting back and being reactive and playing defense. Mm-mm, too late for that. We we know exactly what's happening. <laughs> He's sitting back and somewhat being reactive. He's not even being all the way in on the reactive part. All right, 512-836-0590. You can weigh in with your thoughts. ABC News is reporting this afternoon 
on uh, a very troubling aspect of what's happening at America's public schools. They're saying schools are the third highest location for hate crimes in the United States. 10% of all reported hate crimes in 2022 were happening at schools, according to a report released today by the FBI. The majority of those happening at the secondary schools, some on college campuses. Uh, I know in part of this, they say, you know, you had the time off during COVID. We've got to stop blaming COVID for all of this. Yes. What in the world is happening? I know that we've seen a lot more crime happening on school campuses, a lot more of the bad behavior, the fights. Um, what is going on with this age group? I that I don't see. What? Why are we seeing this? What is what is spurring this? I, I think it's just part of a phenomenon that you and I talk about a lot here on Mark and Melinda. Is the young Americans of today more frequently are committing unthinkable crimes, uh, crimes at schools, crimes away from schools carjackings, murders, etc. 13, 14, 15-year-olds. It, it all seems to be deteriorating among our teenagers who are still in schools. And this report just illuminates another aspect of that deterioration. We have got to get a handle on this. And it has got to come from every corner. Parents, schools, communities, if we don't, there, there is no hope moving forward, sadly. And I hate to say that because I don't like to be pessimistic. But if we continue to let this just sit there and fester, you're going to have a bunch of kids coming out of schools thinking this is A-OK and that is just the downfall of society. Yeah, well, we have uh, another report that's related to this today from the Fordham Institute. A 2023 survey of school superintendents says bad behavior is the number one concern for superintendents in public schools. 81% say bad behavior is their number one concern, not academic losses, academic performance, It goes on to say two representative surveys of teachers capture the same feelings. The National Alliance for Public Charter Schools finds the greatest concern among teachers right now is the bad behavior of the students. The Rand Corporation says that the bad behavior of the students is the number one concern of teachers in American schools. It surpasses academics, teacher pay, everything. It's the behavior of the kids that's number one for teachers and superintendents. So I find it kind of curious that you've got bad behavior being the top um, issue for superintendents. Why don't you change that? Isn't that where the change starts? The superintendent of a school district says, We're going to have some new policies. I'm sure they have to run them by the school board. But if you put that in front of the school board, why you think bad behavior is your number one issue in school, which has a huge impact on the academic Mm -hmm. part of it. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't the superintendent and the school boards go, 
then we need to do something. They should be. And and if the state laws are the problem, they should be beating the doors down of state lawmakers to change the laws and get laws that return them to a position to have an environment of discipline in the classroom where people feel safe and they can learn. It's it's really not that complicated. It really isn't. And it shouldn't, one, there shouldn't be a state law that says you have to tolerate bad behavior. If there is a state law like that, like those state lawmakers need to go away because they're not in the classroom. And that's the biggest complaint I hear from my sisters that are in education, my mm-hmm. friends that are in education, is you've got people in the state at the state level making laws that have never been in a classroom, that have no idea what is happening there. We had the guy, was he from Taylor or Round Rock or somewhere, that tried to put in something that addressed the behavior and it really didn't get any traction. That's right. the kind of law that needs to gain some traction in there because these school districts, these superintendents, these teachers, they need some help. Absolutely. And they, they need it yesterday. It's long past due. It's it's critical now. You can weigh in with your thoughts. 512-836-0590. It's Mark and Melinda, 427 at News Radio KLBJ. And now back to the Mark and Melinda Show. Join the conversation at 512-836-0590. Tigers here producing. It's 432. Thanks a lot for joining us. This story is out of Houston and Harris County. The scene was a family dollar store. Police say that a guy came in and was trying to steal several bottles of motor oil. Two of the employees on duty at the time tried to stop him, locked the front door. The guy began fighting with the employees. The verbal argument turned into a physical fight as the man tried to get out the front door. The fight continued as the men scuffled on the floor. Video surveillance showed that one of the employees pulled a handgun on the guy that was stealing the motor oil during the fight. The man who was stealing the motor oil emptied his pockets and returned the motor oil after the front doors were unlocked. The man who was stealing the motor oil left the store. As he was walking away, the employee with the gun followed him out and shot him in the back on the sidewalk in front of the store. That caused the man who was stealing the oil to turn around and the employee unloaded on him again. Twelve shots. So the employee was put on trial, Melinda, and has been convicted of murder in Harris County by a jury in Harris County. Yes, and they sentenced him to 35 years in prison, and they say that he has to serve at least half of that prison sentence. Now, I know we've discussed before about these people coming into the stores and stealing, and you have a lot of the stores that won't allow the employees to get involved at all. I'm guessing this is a prime example of why. Uh, He should have, after, I don't agree with pulling the gun. They had him locked in there. I know that they were doing the physical fight. Um, I'm sure they had called the police at that point waiting. I don't know that part of it for sure. But after he pulled the gun on him and he gave it back and he was leaving, you don't follow them out of the store unless you're going to write down a license plate number to give that information over to police. 
So I'm a little surprised. I, I don't know what they, what, what what was he found guilty of? Murder. It was murder? Murder. 35 years for murder. Five-day trial in Harris County. The jury convicted him murder and then sentenced him to 35 years in prison. Harris County District Attorney Kim Ogg said gun violence in Harris County is out of control because of situations like this. Mm. Someone thinks they can take a life because they're mad. She says the guy stealing the motor oil from Dollar General store had a family. He was loved by that family. He should still be with us today, if not for this employee of Family Dollar. I don't think gun violence in Harris County is out of control because of a situation like this, unless you're referring to uh, all of the stealing that is going on and people are being fed up with it. I don't agree with what this clerk did following him out, shooting him in the back um, after he had already given the stuff back and then left. Again, follow, get the license plate number, get the video, turn it over so that he can be prosecuted for trying to steal. Heather Axline uh, actually prosecuted this case in court. She said the man stealing from Family Dollar did not have a gun or a weapon. He was not the first aggressor in all of this. And he was walking away when he was fatally shot on Easter Sunday. And that's why we wanted a murder charge for this employee of Family Dollar store. Autopsy results show that the guy who was stealing the motor oil had 15 gunshot wounds. So uh, what are your thoughts on this? 512-836-0590. Is the sentence appropriate for what's described in this case? 35 years in prison on a conviction of murder. The uh, shoplifter, the man stealing the oil, was 49 years old. And he was shot 15 times by the employee. Remember, it's described that there was a, a brawl right there in the store. Got down on the floor at one point, the physical fight. And then uh, they ended up outside with the employee shooting this guy once. And then when the guy turned, he shot him again multiple times. And those may have been the fatal rounds mm-hmm. in this confrontation. 512-836-0590. There's no mention in this story of any history at this store of violent robberies. Was this clerk at one time, was he roughed up by somebody stealing something? Uh, Why was he armed at work? Why did he feel the need to be armed? But he was, and it ended in this fashion. Well, it also doesn't give us the, the background of the guy that went in to steal and died. Uh, has he hit up the store several times? Was this his first time ever doing this? Does he have a background? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it doesn't, again, even if he has a background, it doesn't excuse this guy for walking out of there and then firing at him. But it does speak to just being fed up. Being fed up yes. with the constant... Uh, Stores being looted, being robbed, the people being attacked inside for trying to to intervene. I I just think that there's a sense that people are just fed up with the lawlessness that is going on. Yeah, we'd like to also hear your thoughts on how the Harris County DA, Kim Ogg, characterized this. She said uh, this employee of Family Dollar 
is exhibit of A of why gun violence is out of control. She says he got mad and he took it out on the guy stealing from Family Dollar. This victim had a family. This man who was shot and killed was loved. He should be alive with us today. Had it not been for this employee of Family Dollar who shot him and killed him. 512-836-0590. Tracy is with us at 438. Mark and Melinda. Hello, Tracy. How are you today? Good afternoon. I'm wonderful. How are y'all? Great. Thank you. Great. Um, so, you know, okay, first thing I got to say is even the worst among us are loved by our mothers. So that's that's really not, you know, everybody has somebody who loves them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's neither here nor there. But the guy... You don't go follow somebody out, and you don't go shooting them after they're leaving, and they've got your back to that. That's just that's wrong on so many levels. And 35 years, that's probably not enough. You, you, you killed somebody for no reason, but that's messing it up for the rest of us who really need the gun laws to really actually protect ourselves when it's them or me. If it's them or me, it's going to be them, mm-hmm. not me. But this wasn't them or me. It was, that was just somebody, just a stupid, gun-happy idiot. So this is not what you think of, Tracy, when you think of gun violence in our society. No, the gun violence, the predominant gun violences are in the inner cities, the drug deals gone bad, the the gangbangers, things like that. It's not, I mean, I, something like this is, it. I don't think happens very often at all, because it, that's just, I mean, I would imagine you could take 10 people and all 10 people are going to tell you, no, that would be wrong. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so it was the shooting in the back aspect that that really finalized your thinking on this, that the guy should do some time in prison. Oh, oh, yeah. You don't shoot anybody in the back. You, you know, if they're going away, let them go away. And, and you shouldn't. I mean, and in a dollar general over two cans of oil, I can't even imagine that's that's even worthy of taking my gun out. Let the guy take the two. I mean, it's wrong and it's and it's bad, but I'm not going to shoot somebody over two cans of oil. I mean, I'd shoot him over like I get, like I said, him or me, him or my family. Absolutely, over two two cans of oil. No, the the guy that shot was every bit as bad, if not worse, as any. Uh, I mean, there's no words. There's just no words. It's ridiculous. All right. Tracy, thank you. Have a good one. This story from Fox 26 in Houston does not say if the family dollar employee had any explanation or justification for shooting this guy. What was his defense argument? It just doesn't touch on that. I don't know how you defend that. They got into the physical altercation. He pulled his gun as a threat, and the would-be thief saw it as the threat it was, gave him back the motor oil and was and asked to leave. They unlocked the doors and he left. I don't know what reason you give for following him out while he's walking through the parking lot and shooting him. Let's go to Fort Worth. Danny, welcome to KLBJ. How are you, Danny? Hey, I'm fine. I agree with the previous caller about all the stuff she said, but I was just wondering how old the shooter was. 23, Danny. 
Well, it seems like to me, I don't know if it's true, but I heard that if you work in a retail place as an employee, you shouldn't be carrying. Well, I a think lot it of, depends I, on the store. Yeah, a lot of stores, policy. yeah, have rules against it. I wonder if he had a concealed handgun license because, Melinda, you know this. That's something you learn the first day and concealed handgun. You don't shoot somebody in the back. Well, right, and if, and if the business, whether you like it or not, has the policy that you're not allowed to carry in it, you don't carry in it even if you have that license to carry. Right. So anyway, I, I think I'm afraid he has to do some time. Is the sentence of 35 years in prison, is that about right? Too light? Too much? What do you think of that, Danny? Well, to me, it sounds like a little too much. And I don't know how it works, but I was thinking maybe 20 years he would learn a lesson. And, of course, they get out what they get out after half the sentence of their good, good behavior. Yeah, yes. they did say he had to spend at least half of that time in prison. Yeah, It's a shame two lives are messed up big time. It really is, over a few cans of motor oil. Danny, thank you. Have a good one there in Fort Worth, sir. 512-836-0590. Get in here and join the discussion. 443 with Mark and Melinda. And now back to the Mark and Melinda show. Join the conversation at 512-836-0590. Tigers here producing. It is a gorgeous afternoon. We are very glad you're with us. It's 447. One of the stories we're discussing is a story out of Houston where a man who was working at Family Dollar has been sentenced to 35 years in prison. He was convicted by a jury of murder. The judge handed down the sentence, according to KHOU in Houston. A man who was caught trying to steal multiple bottles of motor oil was confronted by two employees of Family Dollar. There was a big fight. They ended up on the floor. One of the employees pulled out his gun At that point, the thief said, okay, I'll give you back all the motor oil. They opened the front door, and he walked out. He was followed out by the employee with the gun. Police say the employee with the gun shot the guy once in the back. The guy turned to face the employee and then was shot multiple times and died. Fifteen rounds total were emptied into this man, so that's why he was charged with murder, and he's been convicted. I did a little bit more digging as to when when this took place and some of the reports that came out. This employee had just been working at that store part-time for two or three months. Um, and it when you listen, looking and reading some of the witnesses that were there said that this guy took like a shooting stance and then just opened up on him and they didn't understand why. He had already left. And again, this report we have from Fox 26 in Houston does not address what, if any, sort of argument was presented by the defense attorneys to explain why this guy opened fire on the thief. It's just not included anywhere in the story. Well, and I wonder, I'm seeing that just about a month prior to this or a little less than a month prior to this, there was another shooting that took place at a family dollar store that was near this location, and the store clerk was the one that was shot in that armed robbery. So, as we mentioned earlier, was this something that was going on and this employee felt he needed to protect himself but took it to the extreme because he, he wasn't in danger at that time? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And that could be the case. You can weigh in with your thoughts at 512-836-0590. Also out of Houston, KTRK is reporting a grand jury will decide the f- a fate of a man who shot and killed a guy who was robbing multiple people at a gas station in northwest Houston. This was Friday night, 1235 a.m. at a gas station in Houston. Police say that the man who shot the robber was not injured. He contacted police. He cooperated with them. He told them what happened. Uh, And now it's going to be turned over to the grand jury for them to decide if he should face any charges. Detectives were informed by witnesses the robbery suspect had robbed several people while they were pumping gas at this location. The male shooter who witnessed the robbery fired a shot at the suspect, striking him, and uh, that was the fatal shot that took out the guy who was reportedly robbing a bunch of people at a gas station. If he is going to be charged... It, it should not be for shooting the guy that was robbing a bunch of people. It should be for leaving the scene because after he fired, he did leave the scene. He then contacted and came back and met with the authorities, but he did leave after firing the shots. That's the so that's the only thing you would consider as a possible charge. Unless there's more to the story than what's being reported on what I'm seeing right now, you had an individual that was going around robbing several people that I'm sure were frightened, scared. I don't know. I didn't see if the person that was robbing, if they, too, had a gun, how, or were they just saying, give me your money, how that mm-hmm. was taking place. Yeah. And it is one explanation for leaving might be that this guy who took out the robber thought maybe he's got some buddies and maybe they're armed. They might be nearby. I'm just going to move out of this location and contact police as soon as possible. That might be one thing that was going through his head. Possible. But again, that, that would be the only thing that I could see based on the limited information that we have if he was going to be charged on something. Uh, this is also out of Houston. One more for you. Uh, this is a report by ABC 13 News in Houston. It says that police have cracked down on an auto theft ring and a chop shop. They say that uh, this started when uh, Katy police were contacted after the vehicle belonging to an undercover uh, Texas Ranger had been stolen at his home in Katy. So the Katy police got involved, and their investigation led them to the chop shop, and they busted a whole bunch of suspects and broke up this ring where cars were being stolen, taken, chopped up, and parts resold. And all of this could have been avoided. The ring master, the ring leader, the organizer, lengthy criminal history, has been out on bond since 2021. Guess what he was on bond for? Doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is his sixth bond violation. Right there. Say that again. This is his sixth bond violation. So not only was he out on bond for a crime several years ago that it should have already been played through the courts, he has violated that bond five times previous to this, and they still let him out. So, Miss uh, DA there in Harris County, you want to talk about what the real issue is with crime in Harris County? Take a look right here. 
This is Exhibit A of being soft on crime in Harris County in the Houston area. The ringleader has multiple criminal convictions, six previous bond violations. He's got sons, nephews working in this chop shop. Mm -hmm. Nine total people were charged. Hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of stolen vehicles were inside the chop shop, according to police in Harris County. Again, it, it could have been prevented if you would only do your job there in Harris County when it comes to the DA and these judges, and you make sure that these people, you gave him a chance. Back in 2021, you gave him the bond. He proved to you after violating it the first time that he wasn't worthy of it. He shouldn't have been let out that second time. (laughs) Much (laughs) less the additional four times that came after that. I didn't notice it in this story. Did they set a bond so that he might get out again on this particular case? Or is he being held without bond? I would hope without, but can't make any promises. You really can't, can you? All right. uh, We've got news next at the top of the hour. Much more to cover with you, Mark and Melinda, right here on KLBJ. Dr. Mark Malone from Advanced Pain Care on how the spinal cord stimulator blocks pain signals, bringing patients relief at last. And we're able to tune this device to mimic that frequency and essentially block it. I've seen people shed tears of joy in the recovery room when they wake up from their light anesthesia and we turn this device on and they realize their back pain is gone. They cry for joy. Advanced Pain Care at 512-244-4272 or austinpaindoctor.com.